Following the dig at the well, Leonard Padilla tried to get Shermantine out of prison to show them the exact spot where other sites were so that more digs could happen. Bounty hunter Rob Dick tells us what happened next. Leonard gets an idea, hey, let's get Wes out of prison and have him stand where to dig so there's no confusion whatsoever. And he gets Matt and Susan, even Jeff was involved to try to get him, you know, taken out of prison by corrections, stand where it's at. Well, Steve Moore came out when he heard and publicly stopped it. He came out to the media, he made a press release where he's protecting the residents of his county, can't have a serial killer come back, put too many people in danger. That was probably the biggest red flag for me anyway, was that that happens all the time. Charles Manson didn't die in prison, you know? That's what CDC does. When he got sick, they moved him to the hospital. I mean, they get transported in and out all the time. Wes has been out of prison numerous times. So that was a huge red flag. I mean, I would be more concerned that John would be on an opposing hill taking Wes out (laughs) than anything that Wes could do, because he's got guards all around him. So he stopped it, got everybody in trouble. That's when Susan and Matt got in trouble. Jeff couldn't, because he was retired, but Susan and Matt got in big trouble for that. And he stopped it. So then that's when Kathleen got involved on it. I mean, Kathleen had been involved before this, but that's when she went to the governor, got the bill to have FBI remove him. And of course, Kathleen's connection, you guys already knew that, was Deanna. And so FBI takes him out and he shows the well, another well, another well, another well, this well, this well. There's like seven, I think wells that haven't been dug out there and says you dig here there's you know 12 bodies here there's 15 here there's 13 over here don't hold me the numbers and blah 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 so then the fbi comes out and at this point we're like yes they've finally taken over fbi's jurisdiction should be this even today this is serial killing and kidnapping that's fbi's thing and we're like yes they're gonna take it over we're gonna get this all solved everything's good an FBI comes up and digs here. And Wes is like, oh my God, there is nothing there. I never stood there. I don't know what they're doing. And it was a big operation. They brought their little city in. They took the pipes and went around the well to make sure it didn't cave in. I mean, they did a full recovery of nothing. Like 100 feet down, nothing. My mind's exploding because I'm like, how's the FBI now corrupt? I mean, we had already convinced ourselves that the sheriff was corrupt and there was some issues here, but how is the federal agency now connected? And then it wasn't until later that we found out that wasn't FBI taking over jurisdiction. That was the sheriff using federal money. Hey, dig here. This is the best spot, which was our second big red flag of why wouldn't you dig at one of the spots he said to prove him a liar? Why would you go to a place where he never said 
and then use that to close the case. Because when that got done, there was never going to be another dig. That was the end of it. Wes was a liar, and all his information is untruthful, and we're not talking to him anymore. And so that was what closed it at that point. And then uh, after that, we went out. It was Joan, uh, Michelle, me, and Paul, and Buster. We went out, and I went to Tony's house, and after it calmed down, everybody was done. And that's when I went out and talked to Tony. I knocked on the door, and Tony answers the door. You know, he's 90, what, four, mm-hmm. 96, something like that. He's like, dude, you got to go. I got to have you arrested. And I'm like, what do you mean? I have me arrested for knocking on your door? He's like, yeah, you can't be here. And I'm like, what, what do you mean I can't be here? I just wanted to talk to you for a minute. And he's like, I have to call the sheriff and have you arrested. Tony, you can't arrest me for knocking on your door. If you want me to leave, I'll leave. But you can't arrest me for knocking on your door. I mean, I can go. And he's like, he's like, yeah, because I have to call and have him come out right now. I was told that by the sheriff. The sheriff's department told me that if anybody shows up, especially you guys, <laughs> to call. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll leave. I mean, you don't have to get upset. You don't have to call nobody. I'll go. It's fine. I said, Tony, I just don't understand why you're acting like this. Because, you know, I just talked to you before all this and we were fine. He goes, you don't understand. I got to live here. Sheriff, he lived down there a little way, so it's, you know. So I get it. I understand. It's like a drive-by in L.A., you know, a gang hit. Dead body on the ground. The whole neighborhood saw it. You ask him, I don't say a thing. I got to live here. I don't know. So went back to the car, told Joan. I said, hey. So she talked to him, and she was crying, and she's like, my daughter was found in your yard, you know. Let these guys do their thing, you know. Can't we bring closure to their families? And Tony, being the good guy he was, he just said, look, I, you know, I can't get involved in this. I'm going to go sit down and watch TV. I don't know what you guys are doing. I don't even know you were here. And that was it. So then we took Buster on, and we hit all the places that Wes said. That soil samples confirmed that human decomposition in the soil. Paul and Buster don't know where to look, obviously. So I said, search the whole driveway. It's funny because when when we first started this with Paul and I, and we've been out all over the place, I even questioned it. Because like everywhere that I went, Buster found something. And I'm like, really, is this real? And he's like, no, it's just that you're taking me to good places. You know, I mean, that's the way it is because it's true. I said, okay. Let's go over here. So we went to some place here in like Sacramento to a park. And I was like, like, all right, go ahead. Find something here. And it's funny because if you watch, and you can see in this video, Buster had a great personality. If you send him in a place and there was nothing, he would just get be like, really? You know, there's nothing here. What, what are we doing? Can we go? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not playing here. And then Paul would be like, come on, work. Now, the way Paul explained it to me is that if there's a well with one or 25, as the bones decompose, the gases come up just like on a slab or anything else. If the gas can get through a crack, he'll smell it there, but where he really smells it is on the edges because it'll come up, hit the cement, can't go up, so then it goes like that and then comes out. So that's why you could find like, if there was something under this building, you would find it on the edge. To date, no further sites have been dug by either the county or the FBI. In our previous episode, we told you how Joanne Hobson's remains were found in the well that was dug. Miss Shelley tells us what happened next. I was in Kathleen's office for a, 
a news interview and we were talking and I was telling Kathleen how they had told me they weren't going to dig, you know, once they hit bones, they were going to stop and they were going to hand remove them. And then, and Jeff was in that room and he heard it. And that's when he said, Miss Shelley, I can help you. Will you let me help you? And I said, yes, I will, you know. I guess that was a significant thing towards the lawsuit is because they told me one thing and they didn't do it. And through the years, we had a call from the sheriff's department and they said, Miss Shelley, we want you to come up to the sheriff's department. We have a purse that we want you to see if you can identify thinking it was Joanne's purse. And we went up there and Garcia was the one, I think, that had called us. And we got up there and waited for hours, you know, to see this purse. And then they come in and they said they couldn't find it. We have no idea what that was all about. We were in shock over that. You know, why call us up there to identify a purse when they couldn't even find it? That didn't even make no sense. Me and my daughter, Michelle, were the only ones that got to see all the evidence that was in the well. And I identified like a little ring that she used to wear. Of course, it was all broke. Uh, you know, part of it was broke off, but it was a little ring that she wore. And I, and I wanted, I identified that as one of the items in the well. And the coat, I kept telling Chandra Bassett, the coat, I want the coat. And she said, well, we've given it to someone else. I said, how could you give it to someone else when nobody has seen anything in the well but me and Michelle? It didn't make sense, you know? There's different things that they said did not make sense. When they got Chevy Wheeler's remains, she was wrapped in a, I think a sleeping bag and her body was whole. It wasn't missing any parts or anything like that. So when I, I called Thomas Tess and talked to him and I said, how can Chandra Bassett give Chevy Wheeler's parents that coat when it had an arm bone hanging out of it and she was found wrapped in a sleeping bag hole? How could her arm be the one in that, you know, in that jacket? I said, there's no way, Thomas, and he agreed. To this day, I still want to see that jacket because Joanne was so small and Chevy Wheeler was a lot bigger than Joanne. If the jacket, her original jacket was like a purple, not a deep purple, but a medium purple and being down in that well in the wet and stuff, it would have faded out that coat. So when the coat came out, it was kind of like a pinkish color. And so all I wanted to do was look at the coat, see the size to see you know, if it was a small, you know, that would have fit Joanne, because like I said, she was the size of a nine-year-old. And to this day, I've never been able to physically see that coat like I want it to see. Even if the coat was a medium coat, you know, it still could have been Joanne's because during the wintertime when it's cold, you know, you wear extra clothes, you know, so if the jacket was a medium. But my whole thing on the coat was there is no way that that could have been Chevy's arm in the sleeve of that coat. Had to have been 
Joanne's or it had to have been Kimberly Billy's or another victim that was in that well. And I'm not, I have no, no bad feelings towards the wheelers or anything. In fact, I like both of them, you know. It doesn't reflect on the wheelers at all. It reflects on the sheriff's department yeah. for letting something like that go, knowing it had an arm bone in it. That's what makes me mad. A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Michelle, Miss Shelley's daughter and Joanne Hobson's sister, tells us how she kept chasing the police to get her remains. Oh, Michelle, it takes time. Michelle, there's a lot of uh, bones they have to separate. Michelle, there's three other people. We have to separate them all. Okay. Meanwhile, we go to the sheriff's office every once in a while, and they update us. So before we got Joanne, my mom kept insisting, there's a baby. Wesley says there is a pregnant lady and there is a baby and they would not listen to mom. Mom was so mad. She started yelling at Chanda Bassett. And I grabbed my mom and I said, mom, she is trying to help us. Will you please just stop yelling at her? Because if you're yelling at her, we're not getting the information we want. And come to find out it isn't all the true information. And I get that they can't give you all of it right away. Same with this other well thing. They're not going to give us the whole information until they know everything, right? Michelle then tells us about going to the police department to talk about the bones. So they call us up there, and Bassett is talking to us, and there's an, her partner, some guy, younger guy, and they're telling us about the other bones, and there's... um. 
my sister, there's Kimberly, Billy, and then there's this black girl. And they go, well, there's turtle bones. Mom is like, that's not turtle bones, there's a baby for all along. So then the sheriff comes in and he says, I know how you feel, Miss Shelley. Oh, he goes, I had someone who was um, murdered in LA. So I know exactly how you feel. My mom got up out her chair and she said, you don't know a goddamn thing. I was like, mom, sit down. So I had to grab her by her leg and make her sit down. And she goes, that motherfucker don't know anything. And I was like, oh. And he goes, you're right, there is a baby there. Mom said, I fucking told you, bitch. Talking to Chandra, I was like, oh my God. So anyways, we walked out of there. I got mom out and he left. I mean, he was like, after she yelled, she goes, well, he goes, well, I'm sorry you feel that way and left. When they told us that it was my sister, nobody, you know how you're supposed to get a knock on the door? I'm sorry to tell you, but, but never. Hi, Michelle, could you please tell your mom? We didn't get a courtesy of anything, right? So after Sheriff Moore left, Chandra Bassett and her partner had the biggest belly laugh they've ever had. And I said, what are you laughing at? Mom's like, what's so funny? And she goes, I've never seen anybody talk to him like that. Joanne's remains were taken to a funeral home. We asked Miss Shelley what happened after that. Her remains, when she went to the funeral home, we had a forensic photographer take pictures. They laid her all out. And the funeral home was aware this is what we wanted to do. We laid her all out and they took forensic pictures of her remains. And then from there, she was sent up to Chino to Eric. Miss Shelley finally received Joanne's remains about nine months after the dig, and she was encouraged to cremate them by the sheriff's office. They wanted me to cremate her. And I thought, no, because me and Kathleen had talked about, you know, I said, you know, she was murdered, tortured, thrown in a well, in a deep hole covered with God knows what, you know, and I do not believe in cremation. So Kathleen and I talked and we, I told Kathleen, I just want to keep, you know, her bones. And Kathleen said, well, maybe if you got a beautiful, you know, satin bag or, you know, uh, and you could, you know, put her remains in something like that. So I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. But then when I mentioned it, I think to Thomas Testa, I'm not for sure. Don't quote me on this. I'm not for sure. But Thomas Testa says that I wouldn't be allowed to do that because that would be holding a dead body in my home. And you're not allowed to do that, even though it's just bones. And the whole episode that happened, you know, they could arrest me for having a dead body in my home. The sheriff's office even called Michelle a few times to find out what Michelle was going to do. They never called me. The Chandra Bassett called my daughter Michelle on several occasions and said, what is your mom going to do with Joanne's remains? Is she going to cremate them? Michelle said, no, my mother doesn't believe in cremation. So I don't know what she's going to do, you know, with them. But at this time, you know, I can't question my mom on it because she's, you know, doesn't know what she's going to do. And when I talk to her about it, she gets all upset. 
and I wasn't going to cremate Joanne because, like I say, I do not believe in that. You know, she was murdered, she was put in that well, and then to burn her bones again, to me, that was like a, you know, it was worse. You know, so my mind was just all jumbled up about it. So that's that's why I didn't want to cremate her. But they went so far as to call the funeral home where Joanne's remains had was taken and questioned them. Did Joanne's mother cremate Joanne? And Ken at the funeral home says, I cannot tell you that. If you want to know something like that, you need to call Mrs. Shelley. So they were going behind my back trying to find out what I was going to do with Joanne's remains. And at that time, I thought to myself, what are they hiding? Why, you know, why are they so concerned about my daughter's remains? You know, what I was going to, it's none of their business what I'm going to do with her remains. You know, that's my business, not anybody else's business. Funeral home was, was under the obligation to keep what I did with my child's remains private because that was only my choice. After the way the dig was conducted, Miss Shelley wanted to make sure the remains all belonged to her daughter. So the funeral home laid them out and photographed them. The remains that were photographed had three legs and three arms. It was showing, I guess, Joanne had three legs and three arms, and she didn't. She was, you know, just a perfect little girl. She had none of that. And so that's one of the reasons that the funeral home packed her back up. Jeff took her remains to Chico up there to Eric Bartlett to figure out what was going on. They took the femur bone which they thought might be the little nine-year-old girl, Michaela Garrett. They were thinking that maybe it was her femur bone because it was so small. So they had an FBI guy fly it to uh, Quantico, Virginia to be tested and come to find out it was Kimberly Billy's femur bone. Can you believe this? The remains are ready to go to the family and there are too many bones. And these are not small bones. These are some of the longest bones in your body. How does this even happen? It seemed like every day there was something else cropping up that was just sending my brain into a spin of infinity. You know, just all this stuff at one time. And then when Eric Bartlett went through the remains of Joanne, he found different people were in her remains which tells me if I had other people's remains, then Joanne's remains was mixed with other people like Cindy Vanderheim, Kimberly Billy, and God knows who else. And that disturbed me very badly. I wanted every piece of Joanne that I could get to have it cremated. But the thing of it is, is during that time, the sheriff's office and Chandra and them were scrambling because They had no idea where the remains of Joanne's were because we had sent them up to Chino State. So they were trying to locate her remains and they couldn't find them because nobody was talking and I wasn't going to tell them anything. You know, 
That was my child, and I did what I wanted to with her. Why do you think so they Joanne, were trying to hide her? They were trying to hide evidence. That's exactly what they were trying to do. You know, I may be from Virginia, but I'm no country bumpkin. You know, I'm not stupid. And the best thing I ever did was to allow Jeff to take her remains up to Chino. Because when Eric Bartlett sorted them out, there was other people mixed with Joanne. And all the remains that they gave me, I was informed that it didn't matter who else's family was in Joanne's remains, all those remains belonged to me, which I didn't want other people's remains. I wanted the family to have their loved one's remains. I didn't want them. All I wanted was my child's remains. The thing of it is, is I feel bad for Kimberly Billy's mother because she wasn't aware of all this. She wasn't aware that the people in that well were all mixed up. So she wasn't aware that what they cremated of her daughter was, if my daughter was mixed with her daughter, then my daughter was cremated some of her with her daughter. So she had some of my daughter's remains that she got. You know, how disturbing is that? The whole thing was just, it was like a nightmare. And like I say, the sheriff was voted in by the people of the county and he should have been protecting me, not anybody else, me. And he wasn't, he didn't protect me. He didn't do his job. And as far as the county's concerned, being the boss of the sheriff, to me, they didn't do their job because they did not oversee that dig and see what was being done and how it was being handled. As the remains had been signed over to Miss Shelley at the funeral home, all of the bones now belonged to her, including the extra ones. Well, the thing of it is, is the remains didn't belong to anybody but me. Nobody could touch those remains once I signed that paper at the funeral home. Those remains belonged to me. The remains were sorted, and from my understanding, I wasn't going to let Sheriff Moore have any uh, remains that didn't belong to my child. I wasn't going to give them back to him to uh, destroy those. So from what I understand, and I could be wrong, the San Jose Police Department got the other, other remains that wasn't Joanne. And Eric Bartlett kept Joanne's remains and what they had of her, she was glued back together and put in a vault. And she was in that vault for seven years. Eventually, fed up with the harassment from the sheriff's office, Miss Shelley held a memorial for her daughter. What no one else knew, including her daughter Michelle, was that Joanne's remains were not in the casket. Chandler wanted to, kept pressing me, what are you guys going to do with Joanne? What are you going to do with her? What are you going to do with her? I don't know what my mom wants to do. Her mom said, tell her that we're going to bury her. I said, okay. And that's what I did. And the last time I really pressed her when we're going to get Joanne, Michelle, it takes time and I want to get her all ready for you and in a box and with a bow on it so you could have her like a present. That's what she told me. So I think that the sheriff was asking her what we're going to do with her. 
well, why would you want to bury her? Don't you want to cremate her so you can have her? So when we had the memorial, I think that my sister's in the urn. I didn't have a clue till the day of that thing. My mom pulled me aside. She goes, Joanne's not in there. I'm sending Joanne to none of Joanna's there. Okay. So the sheriff's office thought that you had cremated her already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you had the memorial. Right. Was to make the sheriff's office think that you had cremated. Mm-hmm. They thought she was gone and done the whole time after that. They didn't know that mom was having her put back together, make sure she's all there. They didn't know mom's plans. High five there because you really pulled that off. Mom pulled it off real well. It is important to note that Miss Shelley was so good at keeping the secret of the fake memorial, that until Michelle mentioned it in this interview, no one had any idea that it had been a cover. Even those closest to the case, like Tracy and Rob Dick, had no idea until we learned it at this very moment from Michelle. Talk about a mother on a mission. What guts would it take to pull this off? Had Miss Shelley not done this, no one would have ever known what else was in those remains. This goes to show how much these families had to deal with from the very sheriff's department that they should have been able to rely on after their loved ones fell victim to serial killers. Miss Shelley was not going to be bullied into cremating her daughter. She wanted answers. What had happened at her first memorial was the day before she was, I was to have her memorial is when uh, Jeff had to take her. And the decision, which was a hard decision for me, to let Jeff take her on up to Chino because the next day was her memorial. And we never said anything that she had been taken to Chino or anything. And I had a memorial at the funeral home for her. But she wasn't there, but there was nothing I could do about it, you know. I couldn't cancel it then when it was the next day. That was a hard decision for me to do, but I'm glad I did it. After all the lies, the way the dig was handled, and the general lack of compassion showed to herself and the other families involved in the Speed Freak Killer's case, Miss Shelley decided to take a stand. She was going to sue the sheriff's office. We will discuss the case and the outcome in the next episode. We asked Miss Shelley at what point she decided to sue the sheriff's office and how it all started. Well, after I had talked to the sheriff, I was just irate. I was just irate. And so Jeff is the one that found me the lawyer. And I told him I wanted to sue, you know, I wanted to sue the county and the sheriff for the mess that they had made of my child's remains and everybody else's remains. Because we didn't know who the other victims was or or their family to notify them, you know. Joanne's remains were kept in a vault for seven years. We asked Miss Shelley if that was due to the court case. I could have had her remains back. The lawyer told me we can take the remains that we have of Joanne and cremate them. I said, oh, no. Oh, no. I said, because once I cremate her, I only want to do it one time. I don't want 
six months from there, they find something else and they got to give it to me and I got to re- cremate that and add it in with her. No, I said, I cannot do that. Wait until it was all over and I had everything that I could get of Joanne. Because at the beginning, I didn't have that much. But after I had waited all those years, because I wouldn't cremate her until I had everything I could get. And during the dig, they had uh, taken the bones and had put them in big plastic trash bags, I guess, and marked them animal bones. When Eric Bartlett went up there to the coroner's office, I guess he looked in one of the bags that was labeled animal bones, and he found a piece of Joanne in one of those bags. So right then and there, you know, because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if Wesley had said there was 10 to 12 people in the well, and there was a thousand bones supposedly they pulled out, it's 98 bones in a person's body. And you times that and you get 10 people. 98 times a thousand bones would give you approximately 10 people. So all this time that I'm going through all this, I kept thinking, those people that were in that well, they didn't just vanish in the air. They have to be in those black bags marked animal bones. They have to be. Because they're not just going to disappear in the air and go away. You know, so that bothered me to, real bad. So I wanted I wanted them to go through those bags because that's where the other people's remains are, is in those bags. Miss Shelley wanted to make sure that she had every single fragment of Joanne's remains. As part of her civil case, she wanted all of the remains identified, not only to help herself, but to help the other families who had missing loved ones. When I went up for my settlement, I was just devastated because of my hands were tied. And so I wanted them to be made because Eric Bartlett was going to go up there and go through each one of those bags to get me any remains of Joanne's because I wasn't accepting the percentage they had given me. I wanted as much as I could get. So he went through them to, you know, try to find if there was any more of Joanne's remains, which there was. And so I told the judge that, that I I would like for them because I, I wanted to help the other families, that I wanted them to go through those bags and see if the other victims' bones were in that bag. So from what I understand, he put it in the court order. And that's the best I could do for the families because my hands were tied. I couldn't believe on the settlement how my hands were tied. So anyway, they started collecting Joanne's remains and they got them from three different places. One place supposedly was the coroner's office. And then I think San Jose had some, and then of course Eric Bartlett had, and when they were put all together, when I went to the funeral home in the beginning, Ken had told me, we only have a certain amount, so the urn that you have for Joanne is too big. You know, she will probably fit in like a baby urn. So that's what I purchased a baby urn to put her remains in, you know, once I had them. So then after I waited and got 
more percentage of her remains. I went to Ken and I said, okay, you know, is this going to be able to hold this baby urn, hold Joanne's remains? And he said, no, there's going to be too much. So we'll have to figure out a different urn for her, you know, one that her remains would fit in. So I searched and searched. I could not find the urn I wanted. So I had a beautiful Murrah box that my oldest daughter, Michelle, had given me. So I decided I'm going to put her remains in this mural box. So I took it to uh, Ken after, you know, when he got the remains back to cremator. And I told him, I said, I want, what I want you to do is the baby urn is too small and she won't fit in there. So what I want you to do is put her remains, I guess, in a bag because we had talked about it. And then I want her remains placed in this mural box I have, and then I want it sealed up. Can you do that? He says, yes, Michelle, I can do that. So that's what I did. You heard Michelle say earlier that she didn't believe in cremation. So you might be wondering what changed her mind. Because I wasn't allowed to keep her bones because they could have taken me to jail for having a human body. I really had no other choice. But at that time, my brain was just all whacked out. So I told my two girls, I said, I want you girls to decide what to do with your sister's remains. I said, because I can't, my brain is whacked out. I can't do it. Whatever you girls decide, I will go along with. And they said, okay, mother, we will. Now you promise us that whatever we decide, you'll go with it. I said, I will. Yes, I promise you. So anyway, they went out to lunch and they came back later and they said, Mom, we decided what we're going to do is we're going to have Joanne cremate it and she'll go in that glass box like you talked to Ken about. And then when you die, we're going to bury her with you. Is that okay? I said, yes, that's fine. And Michelle said, Mom, that way she'll always be with you. And never leave you again. I said, that's good, okay. So that's what we're going to do. She's going to be buried with me when I pass away in my coffin. Of course, when we lose a loved one, we want to give them a proper send-off, 100% of them. Although it is believed that Joanne's full remains were in the well, Miss Shelley tells us how much of Joanne she believes she had. I'm going to say I started off with maybe 35, 40%. You have to think those steel claws, they crushed the bones and they broke the bones. And, you know, I couldn't look at the pictures and stuff. But the way my daughters told me, they said, Mom, you could tell on the bones that they had taken pictures of. Mom, you could tell that, you know, the bones had been broken because there was no brown, like, watermarks on them. We asked Miss Shelley how it felt to get Joanne's remains back after the lawsuit was over. Relief. Relief because I knew she was home and she was safe with me. And as long as she's with me, she's going to be safe. She's not going to be exploited or on TV or, 
any of that crap no more, you know? Can you imagine losing a child, not knowing what happened to them for 27 years, and then going through the ordeal that Michelle and Michelle have just described? Nor can we. We mentioned earlier that Miss Shelley decided to sue the county. In our next episode, we will be describing what happened during the court case. <laughs>